Hey friends, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, I'm your host, and this is episode number 207. And today we're sitting down with the great, the one and the only, uh, Brian McLaren to talk about his new book, Do I Stay Christian? A Guide for the Doubters, the Disappointed, and the Disillusioned. I love Brian McLaren. Uh, he's become a friend of mine. And uh, the story behind our, our, our friendship is, I read his books in seminary. They were kind of like this one professor had us read some of his books, and that professor is no longer <laughs> with the seminary, <laughs> so he could put the he could put the pieces of the puzzle together. But anyway, so he introduced me to McLaren's reading or writing, and then uh, you know time went by, and I started to you know ask some questions in the quietness of my mind, uh, maybe ten or so years later, and he was speaking at a church nearby where I lived, and so I went to hear him speak which triggered more things inside. And uh, we talked afterwards. They had like a little, I don't know, like meet and greet type thing. He signed my book for me. Um, the Secret Message of Jesus, actually. He signed it for me. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, life. And I was told him I was in the doctoral program and yada, yada, yada. And then I left. Goodbye. Time went on. And I started to ask more questions and you know, deconstruct more things quietly. And I went to find him on Twitter and I was asking him questions. You know, I was asking him, you know, if there's no such thing as hell, what about this verse? What about that verse? Like I was I was in this place where like if I can't be certain that hell exists anymore, maybe I can be certain that it doesn't exist. I was still looking for certainty, but just having it, you know, on the other side of the on the other side of the coin of hell or whatever topic uh, that I was exploring at the time. And he was super patient with me, like answered all of my tweets, like really gracious in all of his responses, he gave me really great resources to read. And I really appreciated that. Then I met him at Wild Goose. We talked a little bit more. And then he agreed to come on the podcast. And he's been on like three or four times. We've had some phone calls together. He's helped walk me through some different uh, hurdles <laughs> in the world of deconstruction. So helped me through some different relational things with some people from my past. And he's been a really, really good friend to me. He's very encouraging. Uh, he's, he, he loves the podcast. He's very complimentary is that a word complimentary of, of the podcast and uh he's been very encouraging to me one of the bigger cheerleaders of the show and so brian if you're listening uh, as the kids say you are the goat the greatest of all time and uh thank you so much for for your friendship and uh for cheering us on uh, so i'll put his links in the show notes uh a link to the book do i stay christian and now uh, the book just so you know uh we talk about it in the show but it's divided up into three parts 10 reasons not to stay christian uh, 10 reasons to stay Christian, and then uh, some different things to think about, regardless of what decision you make, do I stay, do I go, how do you move forward in the world as a better person? Here are some things to think about as you look to grow and evolve uh, as, as a human being uh, in or outside of the Christian faith. And so really good book. I really enjoyed it. Regardless of where you are in your journey, uh, this book is for you. You will have aha moments. You will learn things that you didn't know. Uh, you have other things that Brian will give you words to put on feelings that you have. Uh, but regardless of where you are, really good books. So I'll put the link in the show notes, link to my book in the show notes as well. Uh, Rethinking Everything. Link to Patreon, buy me a coffee if you want to support the show financially, if this has been helpful for you. A couple of places to go to support the show. The tiers in Patreon will be changing uh, probably I don't know, end of summer in the fall, I have some different ideas, different ideas. Patreon's like an evolving machine. Some things work, some things don't. 
Uh, I really want it to be more of a place where people can find community. Uh, so less of like, okay, you give $5 a month. Here's more material for you to read or more things for you to listen to. I think we have enough things <laughs> going on that we have to read and listen to. Uh, so I want to give more opportunity for people to make friends, uh, to find community in the virtual world uh, and get as involved as they may or may not want to. Some people want to get really involved when I have like face-to-face -face interactions, things like that. Some people just want to sit behind a keyboard and you know jump in whenever they want to. But regardless of where you are, what you want, I want to make community available to people uh, who are Patreon supporters. Make it available to everybody, but specifically for people on Patreon who really are looking for something. So new ideas coming. Uh, I'm brainstorming. I'm talking to people. I'm figuring it out, but new things will come. Uh, anyway, links all in the show notes. But anyway, all that to say, I'm going to shut up. Let's hit stop on me and start on Brian. <laughs> this is episode number 207 with the legend, Brian McLaren. Enjoy. Patience paid off, now it's go time. go time. The worries all around me, I'ma get mine. Born in the Queen City, got the 49. Go to Green Trip, told me where the cosign. So people doubted me, that's close to me, that's their regret. When I make it, I'ma take it, all I do is rest. Remain grinding, self care, that's when I'm at my best. A little crazy, that's when I'm at a test. Feeling tuned. Yeah, we riding, yeah, we rolling. All the way to the ocean. Uh. I thought I told you got the sauce, yeah. I told you got the sauce. Remember, boy, got the sauce, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we riding. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking to repeat guest and one of my favorite human beings, the one and the only Brian McLaren. So, Brian, welcome back to the show. It's always an honor. Well, I have good memories of being with you in the past and great to be with you again. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. So you have a new book coming out, or by the time that this releases, the book will already be out. But the book is called Do I Stay Christian? And is subtitled A Guide for the Doubters, the Disappointed, and the Disillusioned. And so maybe uh, a good place to start is tell us a little bit about the book, because your previous book is called Faith After Doubt. Now this yeah. one's kind of posing the question, do I even stay Christian? So are the two similar? Are they different? Does one feed off the other? Give us a, the lay of the land. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a great question. Actually, the two books kind of evolved uh, together in my mind, and, and here's why. In Faith After Doubt, I, I try to synthesize a lot of the best research out there on stages of development, and yep. I have a simple uh, model for faith development that compiles a lot of other people's creative work, um, and the four stages are simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. So simplicity, where a lot of people begin, they believe what they're told, they believe what authority figures tell them. And it's all very literal and very dualistic, you know, us, them and out good, bad. And, um, and then a, a lot of people stay in stage one, their whole life and then grow. Uh, but some people move into stage two complexity, which is more pragmatic, where you realize, shoot, I thought our group was the only group that was right. But right. those folks think they're right. I got to get along with them. So we learn how to navigate a, a more complex world. And then stage three is perplexity. And perplexity is when we start saying, hey, those people who made it sound so simple, they weren't right. Mm. And so now we have to go back and in many ways, challenge and question the authority figures that really formed our childhood faith. Mm -hmm. And um, some people stay in stage three their whole life. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, but then more and more people, I think, are moving into stage four that I call harmony, which is an integration of the first three stages where we, de we develop the ability to say, hey, people are where they are. And, um, and, and we see that, in a sense, each of these four stages builds on the other. So mm -hmm. that was the, the big framework for that book. Well, what I knew is that when, when people reach stage three or stage four, there are very very many churches where they are no longer welcome That's right. and and it creates a real crisis for people and they just wonder you know is there really room for me to stay christian so i knew this was a big uh, a, a big question and it, it's been a big issue for me literally since i was you know probably in sixth grade or something when mm -hmm. i uh, i started having deep questions and doubts myself and i i remember thinking well christianity is what it is and if I question anything, I guess I won't be a Christian as soon as I turn 18. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> uh, so it's been part of my uh, own life, too. Sure. Now, would you say that is stage three and four, just to kind of put it in context for listeners, would stage three be like deconstruction, stage yes. four kind of reconstruction? Yes, except that I, I think a lot of times when people talk about deconstruction and reconstruction, um, they assume that reconstruction just means picking up the pieces and putting them together in maybe a different way or, right. or unscrewing your, you know, inerrancy of scripture, a light bulb and pub, you know, putting in an <laughs> led uh, one instead, you know, right. um, um, but I, I think if we understand that reconstruction isn't just another version of the old thing, that's more of a stage two thing. Stage mm. two is more involved with tinkering with and trying to perfect your theological system. I think stage four harmony is more about realizing, uh, well, a, a way to say it is it's not changing necessarily just changing your beliefs, but it is changing how you hold your beliefs. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that's, that's a good point because I think a lot of times we, like you said, we get, people tend to think that deconstruction is like you knock it all down like a Lego tower, but now you're going to take the Lego pieces and just put it back in a little bit of different order. But in reality, some of those pieces, you might just throw them aside completely and not even use them anymore. But I think the bigger pieces, you know, deconstruction is something I found that makes room for everything. Like it's, it's just holding ideas more loosely because I know for myself, like I, you know, I reached out to you. You're one of the first people I reached out to when I started to like deconstruct and ask questions, but I was still looking for that certainty because I'm like, oh my goodness, yes. like I'm losing hold of this certainty. Like now I need to become certain about something else or like yes. I'm going to just unravel. But now I'm in this place where I don't know, I'm just comfortable with the answer. I don't really know. I'm just going to hold loosely to it and trust that somehow it works out in the end. You know, certainty is a, a good way to frame those four stages because you could say in simplicity, you have certainty and it's very simple <laughs> and, and in complexity, you're still after certainty, but you're willing to have some fine print, you know, That's and you right. know, it's, it's going to be, there's going to be a, a lot of footnotes, <laughs> right. um, a more complex certainty stage three, you've lost your certainty and you're really angry about it. Right. <laughs> and you're angry at those people who ever gave you certainty. Right. Uh, and, and you're, uh, you're, hurt and disappointed. And then I think uh, stage four involves the ability to say, you know what, certainty wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Yeah. There are a lot of downsides to certainty. 
Um, and I need to live with the right kind of confidence, but that's different than certainty. And in some ways, I think for people like you and me of faith, and especially uh, Christian faith, it, it, it means redefining faith as not adherence to a list of beliefs that we pretend we're certain about, or that we maybe sincerely feel certain about. But no, faith is the way that we live in a world where certainty is a luxury that isn't as easy to come by as people used to think. That's right. That's right. That's a, that's a excellent way to put it, which that alone could set us down a couple of rabbit holes. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. So your book is divided into three uh, sections or three parts. And just for our listeners, part one is kind of gives 10 reasons to not stay Christian. Uh, then part two gives us 10 reasons to stay Christian. Then part three is kind of like, regardless of whether we stay, or we leave, how do we move forward as decent um, and, you know, and good human, human beings. So maybe let's take it like piece by piece and we'll see how far we're able to get, but let's start with part one. I got to say that when I reached, when I reached the end of, part, of chapter 10, uh, I was ready to throw in the towel <laughs> and the whole thing, Brian. I was thinking to myself, part two better be really good because I'm about ready to burn this thing completely to the ground because you present us with a lot of really good reasons as to why, frankly, you know, Christianity can just be abandoned and, and left behind. So I'm wondering, before we move into that second piece, which one of those 10 reasons is the one that has like kept you up the most at night? Like which one of those 10 things has really kind of pushed you to the brink of maybe this, maybe staying here yeah. with this whole thing isn't really worth it. Well, gosh, that's hard. Maybe I'll just, um, could I just read the 10 and then please I reread them? Maybe I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll come up with an answer. But the first is because Christianity has been vicious to its mother and that's about anti-Semitism. And I'll be honest, that's one of the ones early on when I learned about the history of Christian anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it really disturbed me. I, I especially felt, why has this been kept a secret from me? You know? Yes. Um, uh, you don't hear that, that. You don't hear the history. You don't hear that stuff. Oh my yeah. gosh. Just yesterday. I learned something new. Just, uh, there was a headline yesterday that the church of England um, just apologized because in the 12th century, they banished all the Jews from England. I, I wasn't even, I never even knew that. No For, idea. I think about 300 years, Jews were banished from England. Really? Yeah. Wow. And, and um, so uh, anyhow, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And of course, there still are these anti-Semitic elements overt and covert that yep. keep cropping up. Yep. Because I don't think Christianity has faced its its history. Mm -hmm. um, because of Christianity's suppression of dissent, um, that has to do with the way Christians treat their fellow Christians who differ on doctrine or practice or something. Mm -hmm. um, third is because of Christianity's high global death toll and life toll. That's the, the combination of the Crusades and colonialism. Mm -hmm. The violent, um, the, the actually militaristic violent uh, history of of Christianity. Again, I learned about colonialism, but I never learned the the whole story. Never, yeah. Uh, and and that of course includes the, all the history of of slavery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, and and so many people have no idea how 
deeply Christian theology was used to support uh, slavery in, in the U.S. and elsewhere. Um, chapter four is because of Christianity's loyal company men. This is where I try to deal with the kind of inner dynamics of institutionalism. Uh, and, and it has a, a lot of people have suffered um, because of this, especially women, I think, especially gay people, yeah. but even people who work in the, the Christian industry mm-hmm. often experience the, some some of its dark side fifth a fifth chapter is because of christianity's real master uh which uh, i talk about the power of money in the in the christian world um because of white christian old boys network and this is the whole issue of white patriarchy which mm-hmm. sort of combines uh whiteness and 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 patriarchy um chapter seven is because christianity is stuck this is deals with this toxic theology. Eighth, because Christianity is a failed religion. This is about the lack of transformation. Um, Nine, because of Christianity's great wall of bias, how it's intellectualism, uh, how Christian intellect, uh, intellectuals use their intellect to defend what they're already required to believe. Mm. But there is so little freedom of inquiry. And then chapter 10, because it has to do with demographics because uh, uh, more and more young people are leaving and who wants to be left with, you know, kind of the, the uh, aging cohort of mm. uh, uh, who are holding on to some past uh, understanding of the world. And um, I would say all 10 at different times now that I've reviewed them have been probably the biggest uh, one. Um, and I think I've in some ways come to terms with, that all 10 of them are there, you know, they're, they're part of the Christian faith. Yeah. And, um, and I've also think I've come to terms with the fact that, um, that the only way forward is uh, whether you leave or stay, we've got to face reality. And that's yeah. those 10 are part of our reality. Yeah. Cause I think a lot, like you said, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of people just are unaware that that's the reality. And I think that that was from even reading your book. I was like, I didn't know that, you know, like I just, there's even things now, like I'm learning that I'm just like, I, why, why was I in the dark about all this? Why was I given this whitewashed history of our faith? Like even slavery, like you're just talking about slavery. Like I was just honestly, like I was just really told that like, yes, slaves had it really bad, but a lot of them had it really good because they had, you know, slave owners who were Christians and Christians are good people. And like, that's just what I was told. I was like, oh, all right. You know, but then I'm learning, I'm reading all this stuff now from all these different people and all these different scholars and thinkers and, and black writers. And I'm just like, holy smokes. Like how, how did I not know that this is part of my history? In fact, early in the book, I use an example that I, I think was shocking the first, like I was, I felt this might be really shocking to people the first time I said it out loud, but now I think it's, it's, it's so realistic. And that is, I, I said, what would it be like to be a young kid who grows up in this super loving family where it's just one of the happiest families you could imagine. And then the kid turns 14 and discovers that his family's part of something called the mafia <laughs> and, and they're close and they're loving and they're good to each other. But then he finds out, unless you keep the family secrets and join the family business, really bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, right. it's exactly the way it is. <laughs> it's a perfect <laughs> illustration. Uh, for me, I think the one that uh, really kind of hit home for me was in chapter nine, which is mm-hmm. the Great Wall of Bias. And yeah. just that whole idea that 
you are forbidden to believe, read, sometimes even think outside yes. of these predetermined theological yes. boxes. And I can remember as I was reading the chapter, I was remembering this uh, event in my life. And I've, I've talked about it on the, on the podcast before, but I was sitting in a, a doctoral class at my very uh, evangelical seminary. And I was about a year away from graduating. And this podcast, I didn't start it yet, but it was kind of swirling around in my heart. because I, ask, I was asking a lot of questions and uh, I was wrestling with a lot of things. I had come to listen to you speak at a church in New Jersey. I mean, if you remember that in Ridgewood, that big Presbyterian church. Yes, yes. You were there yes. Uh, speaking about, I think it was the Great Spiritual Migration book, but I was also reading all of Rob Bell's books again. I had all those books off my shelf and my my evangelical faith was like unraveling at a yes. rapid pace. And yes. since I like to create stuff, that's how I process things like blog posts, images, things like that. I would post a lot of the things I was reading on Facebook and in other places on social media. I'll never forget, it was right before the class was about to begin in school. And it was maybe like 10 minutes. I was sitting at my desk and all my stuff ready. And the, uh, a very prominent figure in the seminary came into the room. He was talking to a group of, of students. I wasn't part of the conversation. He was talking to them. And he looked over at me, like turned away from the group and said, hey, Glenn, you better stop posting all that Rob Bell stuff on your Facebook page or people are going to start to think really bad things about you. And something about that day and like that moment left me like so bothered, yeah. even, even five years later. And it wasn't the first time someone questioned me. It wasn't the last time somebody questioned me, but the feeling of shame that I felt as yes. he, who I've, I know this guy for like 20 years and other yes. students are now like literally laughing at me in, 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 a, in a doctoral classroom. Yes. You know, it's like this world where it's just closed off to these ideas that are outside of the box. You know, you're, you're not allowed to read things that are not okayed by the, the higher yes. ups. You, you can't think differently. And it's just one of those moments that I really began to feel like maybe I just don't fit in this yes. world anymore. Maybe yes. I really do need to leave. I, it just brought a lot of questions to me about the topic of your book. Do I even stay here? Is it worth yes. it? And I, that story, Glenn, is such a perfect story because the first, the irony is that you're in a doctoral class, which is supposed to be about original thinking and critical thinking. Thank you. <laughs> right. And then, and then, so the irony is that, no, this is just another place where you're scolded um, for original thinking and critical thinking. Yeah. But second, that you're in a religion that has like the book of Galatians that says it was for freedom, Christ set you free. So it's all about freedom. And then you find out, hold it. You're not really free in this right. religion, or are you? And, right. and we're left between this ideal that you find in the book of Galatians and the reality that you experience there. And this is part of the emotional pain. Do I believe in the ideal or do I have to face this reality? And how do I grapple with that tension? That's right. And that freedom piece is a huge piece because my, my wife went to the same college, which was part of the, the seminary. And one of the big things that one of the big phrases that's always thrown around is about, you know, freedom in Christ, you know, is about, you know, finding your freedom in Christ, standing in your freedom in Christ and being free to live your authentic self. And yeah. when this event happened in that class and other events happened as well, I remember I came home, I said to my wife, I said, you know what? So all this talk about freedom that I've heard for the last 20 years of my life being involved with this particular institution, it, it's, it's all about being free. They want you to be free find your true self, but you're only free to operate within these boundaries. 
Like, it's like my daughter, like we, we're, we say she's free to run outside in the backyard, but you got to stay inside the fence. That's where you're yes. free to run. If you go in the woods, you're going to get, you're going to get scolded. And that's the way it felt like it felt like I was going into the woods with Rob yes. Bell books, going into the woods, coming to listen to you speak. Yes. And now I'm getting, uh, 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 you're, you found your freedom, but you've gone a little bit too far with it. It's time to wheel it back in. You know, I, I, I don't need to know what that seminary was, but I'll, I'll make it, uh, but, but <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you it, after the recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but here's the interesting thing among Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always aware of how we're more free than the people who are more fundamentalist than we were. Yeah. And, and so there is this feeling like we broke off from them because they were too, uh, too strict on this or this or this. So we, we really feel we're free, <laughs> but we don't realize we just changed a few of the fine, a little bit of the fine print, but we brought the same kind of fundamentalism along with us, you know, it so right. often happens anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So part two, part two of the book, um, reasons to stay. So, uh, I guess we can, maybe we can go through the list again, but why, why are you still here? Like what's the, what's one of the biggest yeah. reasons of the 10 and maybe it's a mix of all of them, but that you still suit up <laughs> every morning. Yeah. As, as a Christian? Well, maybe I'll just mention three of the 10 sure. uh, reasons. I, they, they've all been significant for me, but the first is because leaving hurts allies and helps their opponents. And, and what I realize is that in every field of human endeavor, there are people struggling to make that field better. Yep. So it's happening in every denomination of Christianity. There are people working to make it better. Yeah. And, but it's also happening if you're a doctor or a nurse, you know, some hospitals take better care of people than others. And so there are people working to make the hospital and healthcare industry better. And, yeah. and there are people in Congress who really want to help people. And there are other people who are as corrupt and craven as anyone could imagine. So you realize that if, the, if, if you're working for good, and you leave, you're taking support away from the people, other people are trying to, to be good. And in a sense, you're surrendering power to the people who are doing harm, knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah. Um, and that to me is a big deal. Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel that. Um, a lot more we could say about that if, sure. if you want. Um, uh, but then in chapter 15 it is because of our legendary founder and um, in that chapter, I, I kind of try to do two things. I, I talk about how the real reason I'm still a Christian is because of Jesus. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not just saying that because it's the right answer. It's actually, <laughs> the Sunday school answer, right? Jesus yeah. is the answer to everything. <laughs> but the irony is it's, it actually is my love for Jesus that causes me so much pain about the Christian religion because yeah. it seems to have, to have so little in common with him. It mm-hmm. has everything in common with its own history of having arguments and debates about him. But actually it seems in so many cases to be so unaware of what he actually said and did and taught, you know? Um, And the other thing I try to do in that chapter is to say, but when I say it's because of Jesus, that doesn't mean I have to be even a fundamentalist or a literalist in the way I read the gospels. It's, it's about, the general impression you get of Jesus life against the backdrop of his times that seems to me to set up a direction that I really sincerely want to be part of, mm-hmm. and I don't want to abandon. So, so that's a, a, a really, um, a really significant one. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the other, 
uh, I mean, gosh, uh, all of them, as I look at them on the table of context, contents are important, but um, chapter 18, because Christianity is changing for the worse and for the better. And I have this awareness that if I leave Christianity, I leave any voice to try to speak out against the, in my mind, extremely dangerous and harmful things the Christian religion is in the process of per perpetrating right now mm. on many, many levels we could talk about if you want. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I feel like, and I know this from the inside, this isn't just wishful thinking, the incredibly positive and constructive theological work and practical work that's being done uh, right at this moment, as some people are doing some horrible things in the name of Christ, other people are doing absolutely breathtakingly beautiful things. And I, I want to be part of the beautiful things. And I want to be an insider who can speak out against the, the horrible things. Yeah. So yeah, so pedal back to that, because you talked about how right now, Christianity is kind of on the brink of doing or being part of some very dangerous things. Yeah. But then on the flip side, there's people doing beautiful things. So let's start with the dangerous piece first, because that's one of the areas where like I, I get a lot of pushback and I, I sometimes have trouble putting into words exactly what that means, because like a lot of people from my evangelical past, you know, for family members, friends who are very much grounded in that in that way, as soon as you say something about the dangers of like the church's involvement with empire, whatever it might be, there's a significant pushback, like, oh, you're just, you're just exaggerating the situation. So maybe talk to us about those dangerous pieces first. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be really frank, and I, I'm sorry for anybody this offends, but, um, but I'm, I want to also be honest and direct and frank. And the times, in my opinion, are too dangerous for anything less than honesty. Um, so watching conservative Protestants and Catholics line up behind Donald Trump, who is obviously a liar, obviously a bigot, obviously has no respect for the equality and dignity of women, um, who is a craven, self-interested narcissist, who everyone who worked closely with him now are writing books about what a creep and jerk he is. Mm -hmm. And whether, whether these folks who mobilize their Christian bases to support him, mm -hmm. whether they do it because they actually love him um, or because they just think he's useful for accomplishing their goals of cha changing, a, getting a constitutional amendment uh, or overturning Roe versus Wade or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, either way, to me, that is just despicable and dangerous. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that leads to Hitler. That's the kind of thing that leads. Well, it's what's happening in the Russian Orthodox Church with Putin. Putin mm -hmm. can do the horrible things he's doing in Ukraine, and he's got leaders in the Russian Orthodox Church saluting him. Mm -hmm. So if Christians around Christianity is the largest religion in the world, and the vast majority of nuclear weapons are held by one or another uh, nation with a strong Christian majority, mm. they could literally blow up the world and they would support, they're showing themselves willing to support authoritarian leaders who would press those buttons and plunge the world into destruction. So that's an obvious example. And, and if that sounds extreme and hysterical, I'm sorry, but I, I think it's a real danger. And, and, um, and in fact, uh, you know, books are coming out by former people working with Trump who talk about the things they were having to talk him back from. Mm -hmm. um, and and 
Uh, and then a second one that's less dramatic, but maybe even a, a greater threat. You know, we are, we have been pumping carbon into the atmosphere for a couple hundred years. And now the evidence is irrefutable that it's throwing our climate out of whack. And what's catastrophic about this is that when the temperature goes up, ice melts. Now, if people want to believe that ice doesn't really melt at 32 degrees, they can, but I think it melts at 32 degrees. I think you're right. <laughs> and ice caps rise, sea levels rise, and our ice caps melt, sea levels rise, cities are flooded. Mm -hmm. We think we have a problem of a, a few million Ukrainian refugees, and a couple of years ago, over a million Syrian refugees. Let's imagine hundreds of millions of people displaced from coastal cities around the world. Imagine the disruption. Then, then the economies of the world start to crash. And then imagine who's going to go to war against who, and who's going to what totalitarian uh, uh, crazies are going to decide we might as well make our move now because the world is unstable. And then, it, and and suddenly you're imagining an, a complete collapse. You're measuring. You're. I, I don't want to encourage people to do this, but mm -hmm. because it's painful. But on the other hand, I've done it. And it once you see it, you can't unsee it. You imagine where climate change goes. Um, and it is so catastrophic. And here's the thing. I, I, I cannot believe how many Christians are still in denial about it first. And second, I can't believe how many Christians theologically just don't care because yeah. they've been taught Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to destroy the world. Maybe climate change is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And they even make it sound like you're being unfaithful to God to try to care for God's creation. Yeah. So uh, the destruction, that horror that can be done by Christians, uh, and, and frankly, every single month that goes by that we keep electing people who don't get it, uh, and Christians are, they're pressing the voting button yeah. that, that keeps this kind of inanity, absolute foolishness. The Bible has so much to say about wisdom, mm. but what we're seeing is just absolute lack of wisdom, lack of foresight. And um, so, and, and unfortunately, instead of using the, the resources of our religion to make us more wise, mm. we're using the resources of our religion to help us be fools. And and uh, so that, that yeah that that that's a start. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's that's an excellent point. And I mean, I'm thinking about just the climate change piece. I, I remember I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago um, on Facebook, and we were going back and forth about you know uh, Rev, the Book of Revelation, and we were I was talking about you know this this the, the real problems with the atmosphere and the you know the ice melting and the sea levels rising and you know the the various fires that we've seen like around the world, like in Australia yeah. and California. And the person literally said to me, well, like the Bible says that half the world will be destroyed by flood and half by fire. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. And I was like, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's what, what it means. And they said, well, oh you know, I don't feel like I should have to fight for this because my job is to spread the gospel. So, you know, when I go, when I die, I go to heaven. And then the other people who are saved as a result of my, witness you know go to heaven as well like it's all about the next life yes and the fact that jesus is going to come back any day now because all these things are happening i'm like i feel like it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because it's like you it's like 
it, we have this expectation, you know, the church has an expectation that this certain thing is going to happen and it's happening. And it's like, well, look, it's happening. It's, 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 it's just like the Bible said, but it's like, it's what we're, f- we're making it happen yes, <laughs> because exactly of our lack right. of care. Exactly <laughs> right. Let's see this, right? <laughs> exactly right. So circling back then, that's why I'm really glad that you are doing this podcast and you are speaking, you are using your place in the Christian faith to try to help people move beyond that kind of very destructive and short-sighted and foolish and easily manipulated Hmm. form of Christian, uh, a form of Christianity. Hmm. And, um, and it's why I try to stay. And, uh, uh, but then on the, the, that's the negative side on the positive side. I mean, there for, you know, these folks doing horrible things loudly, there are many other people doing wonderful things. And very often they're doing it quietly, but, uh, but so many beautiful things too, from the work of, you know, the kinds of people you're having on your podcast, many of whom are scholars who work for decades to get theological breakthroughs and scholarly breakthroughs that then help us see, oh, there's another way to see this. There's another way to live that is, you know, that's truly liberating. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I know these things are real because I know these people and they're, and so I, I would never want to, uh, miss the chance to use whatever years I have left. Yeah. To join them, you know? Yeah. That's such a good point. I think there's, you're right. There's so many people doing such beautiful things. I do a lot of work with Alexander Shia and yes. um, he has, he, he, he is someone who he clearly identifies as a Christian. He's very open about, I am a Christian. That is my, my yes. story. And for the longest time, like I, I'm wrestling with a lot of the things like you talk about in your book, thinking like, why are you so thinking to myself, why are you so adamant about calling yourself a Christian? And he's really shown me that, you know, like the idea of Christianity that, that I have had in my life and that many people have is such a narrow view Yes. Of the history of, of this faith. And once you just go back and go back and go back, you can see there's a lot of different roots, a lot of different branches that go off this way and that way. And he's just shown me that like this thing that you've been raised with is not the only thing. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just part of the bigger thing. It's a very mm-hmm. small stream. And so like when you, when you can tap into these other roots and you can see the expansiveness of the faith and you can yeah. see there's other ways to do things, other ways to believe things, and I think that those voices are so important because you mentioned in the book too, that like, as, as new generations are born and they're told the same old whitewashed story of Christianity or the same, they're given the same tradition of Christianity. Those other traditions start to get wiped out. Those other histories start to get wiped out. And I think it's so important that people like yourself, people like the Alexanders stay in the faith to raise up these, these issues to show people that, this is the actual history. This is the actuality of the faith that there's many different ways to believe and many different ways to think. And I think that that brings a lot of freedom to people who are young and who are rising up and growing up um, wrestling with these, with these very things we're talking about. Well, thanks. Thanks uh, for saying that well said. And, uh, and, you know, it it strikes me just so people know that we're not, you know, we don't have an ax to grind here. It's not just the Christian religion that has this problem, right? No governments have this problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they tell a whitewashed version of their yeah. history and yeah. companies, uh, have a whitewashed version of their history. And yeah. so, uh, 
yeah, it's it, this is a human problem, and and this to me is at the end of the day where if if we believe that the spirit of God is at work in the world somehow, in, inviting us to grow to greater maturity and Christ likeness yeah. and so on, that well, the spirit's got to work with us where we are, That's right. <laughs> and, and here we are in a mess. That's right. Yeah, you talk in the book about I think you say you, there's. We tend to think there's two options. I've got either defiantly leave, I got I got to walk out the door and throw a grenade behind me and blow the whole thing up, or I've got to compliantly stay. I've got to be like a yes man. But you said the third option is I can defiantly stay. That means I don't have to be. It's not being disrespectful, but it's being respectful, being graceful, but refusing to stay within the boxes and refusing yeah. to just be yes man, but to actually bring these issues to the surface. And I think that for me, this that phrase made a lot of sense. Just, I'm going to defiantly stay here and I'm going to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So good. All right. So last piece, um, where do we go from here? Yeah. Ryan. So whether, whatever people decide, whether they're gonna, I, I did a, I, on Facebook, I posted a quote from the book about that very thing about defiantly staying or, um, uh, all those, the three different options. Yeah. And a lot of people said like, I just can't, I just can't stay. I just can't. Yeah and keep the, the, the label Christian. Other people said, I, I, I can stay, I want to stay, but regardless of where they go, like, and I said to people, Mike, it doesn't, you got to do you, you know, I honor yeah. your journey and whatever you're going to do. But as we leave, as we go forward, what, what's your advice for us? Well, this is the thing. A lot of people, first of all, as you say, uh, I, when I wrote this book, I didn't, I didn't want this to be a book where I'm trying to persuade people to stay. Um, right. Uh, uh, because there are some people for their own sake, they need to go. The, the sector of Christianity that they've experienced is destroying them. It's mm -hmm. harming them. It's, yep. they need to be liberated from it. It's Egypt and they need a Moses to give them permission to right. get out of there. You know? <laughs> yep. um, it's oppressing them. Mm. And, um, uh, and so uh, I'm not advocating that everybody stay, not only for that reason, but also, um, I think a lot of Christians are unwilling to change unless they see enough people leave. Mm -hmm. And it's the people who are leaving who in some ways, uh, well, I think it's the people who stay, mm -hmm. but, but don't stay compliantly. Um, and it's the people who leave that wake them up to yeah. something's not working here. Yeah. If they ever start to listen. And I hope sure. any of those people will read this book. But here's the problem. Once you, so some people leave, but then they've still got to live a life. What kind of person are they going to be? Right. And, and um, so my sense as I wrote this book is whether you stay or leave, the next day you have to wake up and say, how am I going to live? What kind yeah. of person do I want to be? Yeah. And this to me, whether you're... So let's say you're a, a happy Christian capitalist in America, mm -hmm. And tomorrow you say, now I'm a happy non-Christian capitalist in America. We haven't solved all the problems yet. <laughs> you still live in a world of climate change. You still live in a world of rising authoritarianism. You still live in a world where the rich uh, control more wealth than they have at any time in my lifetime. And, you know, going way back before, uh, back to practically the Gilded Age. Um, uh, uh, so we live in this, and it's not just happening here, it's around the world. So we live in a world with lots of problems. We've got to wake up tomorrow and what are we going to do about the world that we live in? Yeah. 
And um, so that to me is, is the question that is good for everybody. Um, and the irony is, I think if we answer that question right, whether we call ourselves Christian or not, we're, we're going in a good direction. Right. So, yeah. I think that's a good point. I think I've said that before. We have, we have a, a closed Facebook group and uh, lots of different people in there with lots of different ideas. And one of the things I kind of throw out there a lot is, you know, we don't have to see eye to eye in order to move forward arm in arm. I think we, we can all I like agree. That. I like we that. can all agree that love is a good thing. We can yeah. all agree that there's problems in the world. There's people who are being oppressed. There's racism and all the different things. We don't have to see eye to eye on the theology stuff, but I think we can still form a human, a human line. We can I move love it. I love it. It makes a difference in the world. I'm going to borrow that uh, with your permission. I like that please, a lot. Please do. I like that. that says <laughs> please, it well. Please do. So in but that I, last, yeah, go ahead, that, sorry. well, in that last section section that I, I talk about eight issues that I think are, are worth all of us grappling with, whether we decide to identify as Christian or not, that we, that, that we're going to have to decide, for example, how we want to relate to people who are, are in a different place than we are. Yep. Um, we have to decide how do we want to um, relate to our own pain and our own disillusionment and, and how are we going to experience healing in our, ourselves? We've got to decide how we want to live with the world, <laughs> um, the, the earth, as we were talking about before, the, yeah. the, the plants and the animals and the forests and all the rest. And uh, at, at any rate, that, that I talk about that in that last section of the book. Yeah. And that's, that's so good. And I want to tell our listeners too, like, and you said this earlier that, you know, the book is not, is not trying to persuade someone one way or the other, You're not trying to persuade people to not be Christian, because that's some of the feedback I saw going around online when people first saw the, the title of the book, like, oh, here comes Brian McLaren going to persuade people not to be Christian anymore. But that's not at all what that first section is the second section, you're not trying to persuade people to stay. You're just really having an open, you're, you're like tapping into the stuff that people are thinking, but maybe are too afraid to say, and you're allowing those things to come to the surface and you're putting it out on the table and you're telling people like, it's okay to feel this stuff. And at the end of the day, like wh whatever it is that you feel, whatever decision you make, we can move forward. And I think that that's, that's what it is. That's what it's about. Well, thanks. I, I I'm, I'm happy that it, it struck you that way. You know, the, the irony is you like, you could take a story in the Bible, like the children of Israel uh, enslaved in Egypt mm -hmm. and, and they're unhappy. It's miserable having to make those stinking bricks you know? <laughs> and, and working seven days a week. And, right. um, and, but you can easily imagine people saying, well, it must be God's will. We wouldn't be here if it weren't God's will. Like you can imagine all kinds of theological justifications for saying we should stay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yet God was on the side of, of freedom. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's the option that we have, whether we leave or stay, we can be free or unfree. Right. And, the freedom to be honest is a pretty important freedom. Right. Uh, and uh, so that's whether we stay or go, I, I think we have to do it with integrity and honesty. Amen. Preach it, Brian. <laughs> Preach it. Well, hey, we're just about out of time. But uh, again, this book is fantastic. Uh, your work. Thank you for your work, uh, for your friendship. And uh, thank you again for making time for me. Well, every time I am with you, or I see your posts on social media. I'm so grateful for you. It's, 
it, it just feels like we're all in this work together, trying to pry some of the bolts loose so that the change that's that needs to happen can happen. So thanks. Amen. And I will put all your links in the show notes and I'm sure we'll bring you on for the hundredth time. I don't know. I don't know how many times we're up to now. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks, Brian. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed up fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot on go with the rainbow by the time Clancy. Uh, wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go ahead and run, I'ma check. Wish I had no other sand, most beat, I'ma check. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own beach, and we bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland. So much for high on demand. Tiptoe around through and high lows. Feel like James Brown, love, we go ahead and dance. Let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion. Go ahead, call the ambulance. So we said our own ambience. Dub TTG train to go. Let's talk, no rambling. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love, it's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love, it's all love. But I just ignore it. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Wish I had red bottles on my feet. Everything falls on me. Then I start clicking my heels to the ride. Did this beat neat? Ever want to follow my speed? Let's close those more keys. Carolina Rose on freeze. Wishing I could fly to the keys. That will be more free. Something in my mind hit the dough. Put on my fresh fit. So Sir Charles, let's go. We about to go and get it. Uh, let me talk. At the end of the day, we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for box. Undisputed, got the own lot. Champions. Wishing I had something foreign. Wishing I had something foreign. Knowing that I can afford it. Knowing that I can afford it. It's real love. It's real love. But I just ignore it. It's all love. It's all love. But I 